Ladies and gents, welcome to Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments, brought to you by Funk27, Discontent Providers, and Global Butterflies, bringing trans and non-binary awareness to the business community. Go to globalbutterflies.com. <laughs> Yo, 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 what is going on, people? Welcome, welcome to another goddamn episode of A Thompson and Other Disappointments. I am your host, uh, the artist formerly known as Aid, uh, now predominantly known as that tired-looking guy on the school pickup. Uh, cheers. Evening all. Happy Wednesday. Um, I really do. I feel like I look tired tonight. Um, I look... You know, I look how I fit. I'm just, I'm sort of half knackered because, you know, the world is obviously an exhausting, gruelling place uh, these days. But also, yes, because my daughter once again woke me up at 4 a.m. So there's, there's that. Um, I, I remember a few weeks ago, actually, uh, just before we get started, uh, just about maybe two or three months ago now, I actually had a good night's sleep like <laughs> i remember i had like a full night's sleep like eight hours maybe eight and a half hours something along those lines and i just danced out of bed the next day you know and you know what the world didn't seem like quite such a bad place after that good night's sleep that one anomaly good night's sleep i was like yeah maybe maybe we'll figure climate change out you know <laughs> maybe we'll solve and evolve our way through the numerous myriad challenges that the world has presented to us over the last few years and you know what i concluded after that after waking up after having had that good night's sleep after generally feeling more optimistic about things do you know what my conclusion was after that was that it was bad for business, guys, because this show is a downer. It's, it's not. If it's your first time joining us, welcome, obviously. Pull up a pew, crack open a beer or a you know cheap glass of Pinot, whatever's your poison. But this show is not it's not something that's going to amuse you in the sense like, you know, the way that you might you know be made to laugh or the way that you might sort of giggle when you leave a comedy club. It's not that sort of amusing you. This is a show that just seeks to validate you and your fears that you have about the world, you know, about respiratory viruses, about corruption, about everything. Like, it's not knock-knock jokes, this podcast. This is, it's basically like, yeah, it really is as bad as you thought. <laughs> but here's the upside. Here's the USP of the show. It's like, it's basically me saying to you, at least you're one of the smart ones <laughs> because you're here, right? At least you figured it out, like how bad it all is. You didn't get distracted with the, you know, carrot on a stick of modern meat. In fact, you know what? Forget that. It's not even a carrot on a stick. It's literally just a carrot stick. It's what, it's what is being used to distract people. Just a vegetable getting waved around is enough to distract most of the UK right now in late 2023 
Oh, don't look over here at my billion dollar oil and gas licenses and the India trade deal over here that my wife is, my wife slash best friend is likely to personally benefit from in the shape of Infosys shares when I sign it. Forget, forget about that. Don't worry about all of that and my, my secret breakfast club meetings with donors. Just don't, forget all of that. Look over there. Look over there at this week's statue. Woo, look at the statue over there. At least you're one of the smart ones. Is the USP of this show. You're one of the smart guys or ladies. You know, I mean, it's probably of little consolation to be told that, isn't it? As the entire country circles the drain <laughs> with its flatlining growth. It's exploding debt. It's <laughs> crumbling NHS and soaring taxes. And we're like, at least at least we knew it was all rubbish. <laughs> is that is that really of any consolation? Can you take any solace in that whatsoever? I don't know. I mean At least at least I knew it was all rubbish. Oh well great, okay. Yeah, I mean, we, like, speaking on behalf of the idiots now, like, well, we didn't. We didn't know that it was all rubbish, that it was all lies, corruption, that the entire economy was built on a house of cards. We didn't know that. You know, we were naive and distracted. But at least we had a few years of blissful ignorance, aid. You know, we laughed till we cried watching Gogglebox. And I'm a celeb. <laughs> I thought my pants had never dry. It was so funny. It was so much fun going to five-a-side football and coming back and making a cup of tea and watching a Peter K DVD and knocking back a can of Prime. So, I mean, you know, you called us stupid, Aid. Eh? You called us morons, but at least we had a good time for a bit before it all descended into famine and murder and cannibal tribes. So if we had 75% fun, you know, and honestly, Peter K, you know, that DVD was the funniest thing I have ever seen in my life aid. So if we had 75% fun, and then a little bit of cannibals and murder and so on, while you were just tearing your hair out the whole time, you know, warning us, being hysterical about, like you had no fun aid. Well, ask yourself this, which one of us was really stupid? Yeah? Think about it. <laughs> Cheers. And good evening. Um, sometimes it feels like, doesn't it, like, um, like whether we're warning about, you know, political moves towards right-wing authoritarianism or whether we're warning about oil running out or, you know, whatever, whatever the hysteria is of that week or whatever the episode of this show is, <laughs> whatever the thing is that we're warning about, sometimes it feels like people would be like, well, at least I ignored you for the whole time when you were frantically pointing at the jet engine on fire. <laughs> it's like a, a class of people who would take pride in the fact they were sat there with their Nintendo Switch on the plane, enjoying this, this last few minutes of life to the max, while I and you, dear listener, were sat there going, can somebody fix the jet engine? 
You know, that's what it feels like sometimes. Anyway, what's what's in the news now? Now that I've set the stage for you, for the new listeners, for the new viewers, to get an understanding of what this show is like, let's get into the news, shall we? What's happening out there? There's lots to get through. Um, and then we have the Tap Dancing Topper Award. <laughs> and yes, if, you, if you're hearing that, like and me saying like tap dancing topper, you know, I thought it was tap dancing, t you know, you know what? I mean, and the answer is like, yes, you're right, because you're one of the smart ones. Um, but here's the thing, right? I just cannot be dealing with this algorithmic penalty stuff. <laughs> it's like every time I say something slightly off color. You know, like not not even a an actual naughty word, just something slightly ish on the edge. You know, something you could get away with at a family barbecue, but it's just on the. You know, anytime I say anything like that, a slightly uh, contentious term, it's like you know, it just it, it bothers me that they immediately like strike it off. Like I've got friends. Uh, it, like within political circles who are making bank doing this sort of stuff like the returns they make on their videos and podcasts and stuff and they tell me about it and i'm like well i could do that <laughs> and then i look at like the sort of you know the the striking <laughs> right for bad language and problematic terms and stuff you know i'll go down the list of them because they give you a sort of like a statement and it's like no uh profanity no uh, there's a reference to this thing that's not allowed oh more profanity you know and then oh no no this is definitely not okay like well i mean what were you thinking Aid. so you know like i always think this is where I come from on the subject. And I, I promise I'm not going to do a whole episode about, you know, my struggles as a content creator, because honestly, who wants to listen to that? But I always imagined that if I categorized my content, my rants, my podcast, the punk politics stuff, if I categorize all of it as not for kids, then it should be OK, right? Like, maybe you don't like what I'm saying sometimes. Sometimes I listen back to them and I'm like, oh, like why would I say that? Like, maybe you think it's too shouty on occasion or the metaphor that I've used that day is a bit too, uh, a bit too on the nose, perhaps. But I always look at it like, as an adult, as a grown-up... <laughs> You just don't watch it then, right? Like, if you think that it's a problem, if you think that it's upsetting, like, it's not for kids. But as an adult, you should be able to handle it. It's not that bad. <laughs> you know? But obviously, once you have adverts in the mix, you know, it changes the game a bit. Like, I imagine somebody from the YouTube Partners program <laughs> being like, look, you know, you already scared off Beer 52 and Gypsy Hill Brewery Aid. You know? <laughs> like, you're not content with scaring your own sponsors off now now you want to scare our like holistic wholesale guys off really like what what is wrong with you anyway so that's the tap dancing topper award not the other word although you know don't fret if you are listening and you end up winning the tap dancing topper award don't get it twisted you have absolutely won the properly named version of it 
So, you know, anyway, let's let's talk a little bit about um, about this Prince Harry thing, shall we? The Prince Harry and Meghan book thing, because this is kind of funny to me. I did a TikTok on it like this morning, but I'll, I'll touch on a couple of the points here again for the benefit of uh, my YouTube subs. Uh, and indeed, the Spotify uh, Apple podcast uh, listeners, too. Oh, and before I forget, I'm doing a Q&A on the YouTube live stream, on the live chat. So if you've got questions about the week in politics, about the show, about anything, really, just pop them in the uh, in the live chat. But anyway, let's let's stay on point. So Harry and Meghan. Right. So there's this guy and his name is Omid Scobie. Um, he's an entertainment journalist from the U.S., uh, he worked for a bunch of magazines. He worked for US Weekly or Us Weekly. Uh, he worked for Harper's Bazaar, I understand, which is a big magazine in America. He worked for Good Morning America. Like, you know, the way that we had Dan Wooten kind of guesting on GMB over here as a showbiz journalist. Well, over there, they have this similar thing and they had this guy on. Uh, and anyway, he's written this book and it's called Endgame. And it's about Harry and Meghan. Uh... And somewhat embarrassingly, <laughs> I mean, like if, if you were royal, <laughs> if, you, if you're just the rest of us, then it's like somewhat hilariously, but um, somewhat embarrassing, embarrassingly, uh, the Dutch version of the book appears to have had a first run printed where the name of the royal who said the racist stuff about Meghan's then unborn baby, <laughs> they were identified in the text is the story that broke this morning and so so the dutch version apparently uh according to a what they're saying is a translation error <laughs> has has included the person who allegedly said this stuff right like how dark will the baby's skin color be that was the accusation uh now, the person accused of having said this stuff has always remained a mystery, haven't they? Until now. Like, I always thought it was Prince Philip. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Um, like, I, I almost think the whole thing's kind of moot, like, of who said it. And But then I understand how that sounds coming from a, a sort of middle-class white guy from the home counties, right? Like, like, is it up to me to say that this isn't, is this story is sort of nonsense? Probably not. But I always imagined that, like, the whole thing was kind of moot because the institution itself, like the monarchy, <laughs> is so horrendously racist. You know, like, it's like focusing on the clumsy thing that one guy said to one woman of colour one time is a bit like taking OJ Simpson to task on his misogyny because he didn't hold open a door for a woman. You know, like, that's that's the thing you're targeting? Really? That's exhibit A for you, is it? Okay. Like, like the royals... As, or rather the monarchy, like, it's, it's a sort of, it's a head of state, right? They are the chief beneficiaries of the British Empire. Which was just sending armies and boats and thieves, essentially, you know, into other sovereign nations. People of colour, en masse, by the million. They sent our boats 
and armies and look, to slaughter people and steal their jewels, basically. And when people fought back and said, don't steal our jewels, this is, this is our country, they murdered them, right? And then just to add insult to injury, a little bit of British history for you, 101, they set up brainwashing schools to re-educate and reprogram the dead people's kids and grandkids so that they would grow up thinking that the murderer was actually the sort of motherland kind of thing and that they were all part of this wonderful Christian empire and that the queen is a very, very nice lady indeed. Like, that is some God-tier racism. You know, like, like, they're so good at it. It is God is premium tier, that. I mean, I often talk about how this podca podcast is like, you know, the bourgeoisie of uh, <laughs> depressing, <laughs> downbeat, ranty shows. And then I, sh I shorten it, don't I? Like, it's, it's booge. It's proper booge, guys. Well, they are above booge. They're God-tier racists, is what they are. They're very good at it. And here we are wasting our shock and gasps on some clumsy old codger <laughs> in a cosplay Navy outfit, probably. I don't know who it was. I don't know, but, you know, whoever it was, it's probably, you know, if it's Andrew's fake Navy outfit, if it's Philip. I, I mean, he was in the Navy for a little bit, right? But they all wear fake stuff, right? I don't think I'm libeling or slandering anyone if i suggest that they're all fake soldiers right <laughs> i think even prince edward has doesn't he have a forces thing i don't think Pri prince edward was in an army or navy he doesn't look very navy or army does he anyway as i was saying here we are you know wasting our shock on something that a clumsy old codger has said like saying something silly and yes, offensive. But I don't know, like it's like it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's almost like, you know, the question about how dark the baby's skin would be. Like, yes, it's bad. Like, it's not what I would ask a pregnant woman, a mother to be. It's a weird thing to have jumped to the front of your queue of questions to, to a pregnant woman, right? Ahead of like, how far along are you? And, uh, you know, how is morning sickness? And can I get you a chair? Like, there's, there's a whole succession of questions that should sit in front of that one. But that one to leap right at the front of the... Like, this is urgent. I need to ask. And like, that's, that is a weird thing. To, to want to leapfrog all of the others and go straight to... How, how dark is it going to be, though? You know? Like, uh, that is... It, it is strange. I get that. But do you ever feel like the actual racism... The actual cold, hard reality of their racism is just too nationally embarrassing and wrong and violent, right? It's too slavey and still unreckoned with that this one is a bit more palatable. You know, like, this is on a Diet Coke of you know or like this sort of the side salad of racism or something right like this is pg rated racism this one we can handle this is just a clumsy comment that we can all feel better than whereas the other thing you know like well geopolitical 
centuries long racism like <laughs> that's i mean sweet jesus we cannot broach that subject absolutely not no 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 that is far too complex and unresolved and hollowing you know like we might actually have to feel bad about ourselves for our country <laughs> our country benefiting from such awful unfair persecutory historical racism we might actually have to consider how that manifests today as each of our privilege and that won't do at all will it guys <laughs> i mean you know don't get me wrong i i want to end racism absolutely i do that's that's ultimately where i want to get to but but not if the route there means stopping at self-reflection i can't no 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 absolutely not so so omid scoby the entertainment journalist has written this book and it is apparently accidentally through a dutch translation error it has identified whoever this racism allegation was made about which you know what like First up, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you have a Dutch translation error that then accidentally includes the name. <laughs> like, the name is the name, right? It's the same in English or in Dutch. Like, it's the most ridiculous thing I've heard. Like, what was it? You know, what could realistically have happened here? Like, you put in, you know, someone asked if the baby would be dark-skinned into google translate like is that what happened <laughs> like like google translate sent back just it was philip <laughs> like, like like google translate's powered by ai now it just wants to like save you some time like google translate is editing and shortening your content for you is that what happened like omid shobi put in like Someone asked if the baby would be dark-skinned into Google Translate and it came back with like, listen, just just get to the point, Omid. All right, just name the guy. Don't don't tease the reader, Omid. <laughs> it was Philip. I don't know if it was Philip. I don't. Um, don't don't leave a breadcrumb trail of clues for your readers, Omid Shobi. You're not Ruth Rendell. You're a, you're a showbiz hack. Showbiz. Just tell them what happened so they can get back to Peter K. So, yeah. I mean, it's probably broken now. This is a ridiculous thing. This is another thing I said on TikTok this morning. It's like, you know, trying to hide this sort of information in 2023 is just ridiculous. Like, it will be on Twitter. I'll be gobsmacked if it's not on Twitter. Somebody's probably going to put it in the live chat while I'm talking about this. And I'll have to pretend I don't see it and play dumb. Oh, any any Q&A? <laughs> Out comes the questions. Hey, Aid, do you think it was? Anyway. What was I talking about again? Oh, yeah. So if like, I don't know how you end up with a person being named due to a Dutch translation error. Like, I mean, unless unless Philip or Charles you know, one of these names literally means racist in Dutch. That is the only way that it could, like, it accidentally translated as the guy's name. 
Um, so yeah, it was this book was published yesterday uh, in Holland, and it's being pulped today uh, by the tens of thousands, tens of thousands of copies of this being pulped incredibly quick i mean it, it probably will take the record from nadine dory's last novel i think um and honestly like this is this is one of those situations where i truly question the sanity of those involved in the decisions like about this book about what happens to this book now but about like i question the sanity of the people who have buckled to pressure from buckingham palace you know because it's like, like, here's this book and it's been published the world over, I'm guessing. Right. I don't know. It's not really my bag. I, you know, but I'm guessing an Oxford educated American showbiz journalist is probably going to go for the mass market. Right. So across the West, anywhere that cares about the royal family, you'll probably find this book now. And there's no suggestion the name is in the English version, I don't think. It's just a Dutch translation error version. So this is just confined, uh, confined to Holland, is my assumption. So if Buckingham Palace's lawyers phone you and you're the Dutch publisher, right? <laughs> they, they phone you and they go like, uh, we, we, don't, um, we don't like what you've said in the book that you've just published. Like, if I was a Dutch publisher getting a hassle from the English royal family, I, I, honestly, I would be like, so? <laughs> like, the English lawyers operating under the English legal system, like, they're supposed to have some jurisdiction over what gets published in Holland? Really? Like, that's ridiculous. Like, it would be like, I'm sorry that you don't like this book that's in print over here, but I didn't publish it in England. So, is there anything else? <laughs> well, no, hang on, hang on. This is the, uh, this is the English royal family that I'm calling on behalf of. Like, I would love it if they did make this call. And the Dutch publisher listened to this, you know, and just paused for a couple of seconds before returning fire. And they were like, well, you know, there's um, there's plenty of books in the UK that I would like to see corrected. <laughs> so while we're on the subject, I mean, like, if you've got five minutes now, maybe we could... Uh, Scratch each other's backs, you know. Like, well, this is uh, this is highly irregular. I'm, I'm not in the business of uh, negotiating or, or making deals. I I just called to threaten you with, you know, you should pulp your book, right? But you know, okay. Here's the books that we, in return, uh, we would like to see um, the inaccuracies and misleading statements corrected in. So, uh, first off, uh, the great big British history textbook. That's number one, uh, but it, volumes one, two, and three. Uh, it's taught in all of your secondary schools. If you could just like correct that, update it uh, significantly. Thank you. Also, uh, the history of the empire. Uh, and uh, what's this one? Um, uh, oh, yes. A thousand reasons why the monarchy are actually not that bad, really. Oh, and while you're at it, 95% of your newspapers, you bell. Anyway. As I said on this morning's uh, paper review, maybe 
Maybe this is just the royal family fighting fire with fire, you know? Maybe this is just the royals fighting fire with fire. Like, they're so keen to not be seen as hardcore racists. So much so, but like they're so dead set against being seen as hardcore racists that they are willing to do a good old-fashioned book-burning to achieve that. Cheers once again. I mean, it's going to leak, isn't it? It's, it? It has to leak. It's obviously going to leak out now. It's like, do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Ryan Giggs thing. <laughs> do you remember that? It was about 10 years ago now, right? Like he had something a bit awkward that you really didn't want to come out. You know, it was going to be embarrassing for you. So you paid some lawyers. Uh, I don't know how much a super injunction is, like 100 grand or something. You paid your lawyers 100 grand to try to frustrate it, to stop it leaking out. And the lawyers try to shut it down, but it just drags more attention to it. It's Streisanding in the modern era. So somebody would have swiped a copy, right, already before it got pulped. And somebody will scan it and they'll sell the originals on eBay for $10,000. It'll be just like the OJ book back in the day. Anyway, what else is going on? Um, so it's Statue Week again. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, last week was uh, the Cenotaph, wasn't it? Everybody's getting really precious about whether a Gaza march that was never going to go anywhere near the Cenotaph, by the way, <laughs> might be going too near to the Cenotaph. That was, that was the fright that seemed to be bleeding all over EDL Facebook pages. And consequently, the self-styled protectors of the Cenotaph proceeded to climb all over the Cenotaph. So... Anyway, I'm not I'm not saying Statue Week is necessarily a total uh, intellectual celebration of the nation's greatest minds, but it is here again. Um, you know, I mean, it is it's it brings out the worst in people. It brings out the worst in the country, which is ironic, considering it's usually, you know, drenched in flags. Um, but yeah, Statue Week is is what, what were the other times? Right. So we had the, there was standing guard of the Churchill statue in Parliament. Do you remember that? <laughs> to the criminalization of throwing a slaver's statue into Bristol Dock, was it? And now we get up to this latest chapter this week, which is the Greek marbles thing. And it is a thing now. Don't get let, uh, misled. On that, you know, some people might just say it's, uh, you know, it's a load of old rock and marble and, and, and whatever. And some might say that they're very important and sacred. But whatever they are or are not, they are definitely a thing now following the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's red line in the sand. Wait, is that <laughs> is that have I just mixed two metaphors? Is that I'm sure that's. You shouldn't speak like that, like mixing metaphors. It's not a good look. A red line in the sand. It is a red line or it's a line in the sand. You shouldn't say red line in the sand. Anyway, but yes, he won't budge on this one, guys. He's he's not the the lady is not for talking or turning. Isn't that the I'm doing really well with my presentation skills tonight, aren't I? Uh, worth every penny of the Patreon. Um, but yeah, he won't budge. He won't budge on this. 
Um, I mean, the long-term decision uh, decisions for a brighter future. Uh, that stuff turned out to be only temporary. The assurances on HS2, that that was also, you know, there was some wiggle room on that for him. Uh, the five pledges for the beginning of the year, they're basically falling to pieces right in front of our very eyes. The honesty and integrity stuff, you can barely say with a straight face anymore. He's got the backbone of a squid, doesn't he? But this, this is for keeps, guys. Just this, this one thing is what he's willing to stake his entire geopolitical credibility on. Is these... statues. <laughs> In the British Museum. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, like, when you think of the context, when you think of the backdrop that this is set against, like, what else is going on at the moment? Mortgages, right? Hold your nerve, can't do anything. The NHS is about to collapse this winter. Sorry, my, my hands are tied. Can't, can't do anything. Uh, it's nothing, nothing I can do. The Greeks want their statues back. Oh, well, do not test my resolve on this. This is important. I have to solve this. I will, I will protect these statues until my last breath. You know, like it would... Do you know what? It'd be funny if it wasn't so tragic. That like, you know, when pensioners die this winter, and they will, either through seasonal flu or covid or you know they can't afford their heating and they freeze to death you know there'll be hundreds if not thousands that will pass away that might have survived if they had been seen quicker in the hospital or they had had the right treatment diagnosed but they didn't because of overwhelmed services and and so on but it's kind of like darkly funny that when they die and they lay there still at that point once their eyes roll back you know at that point sunak might mistake their still and gray posture as though they're statues and at that point, finally, he might run in and be like, oh, I'll, I'll protect you. I'll save you. Like, that's basically where we're headed, isn't it? It's, it's a government so devoid of ideas, so absent is their vision. And simultaneously, they're so drunk on symbolism. That basically at this stage or not too long from now, you're going to have to dress up like a South Bank Statue of Liberty for them to get confused and give a hoot about you. He said, nodding at the YouTube partner program guy. A hoot. Give a hoot about I can't I can't say naughty words, guys. I feel like a like a kid's TV presenter doing this now. You know, I just feel neutered. I feel I don't know. Anyway, I saw um I saw a tweet from uh, Dan Hodges. The other day about all of this and um and it said something along the lines of uh it said let me get this straight sunak is going to need the eu and or you know greece's cooperation when it comes to refugees from ukraine and gaza and that's you know before we even get onto the subject of climate change and like climate change refugee like people leaving droughted out areas forest burnt area you know what i mean like anyway he's gonna need the help of europe 
we're going to need the EU support at some point. And when it, you know, like, and he's jeopardising all of that, isn't he? Like, with this. And, like, over what? For what? What? What is the material gain from this? And, it, like, it's obviously purely a distraction technique, right? Like, he's creating a diplomatic crisis purely to distract from everything else. Is Unless somebody can explain to me why it's not that, then it is that. And this is sort of what I mean when I say, like, there's two tribes in the Conservative Party, right? Like, you've got the, you've got the gurning, dribbly crayon eaters, you know, that think that British identity should trump everything else. You know, like, they actually believe this stuff. Like, the flags, the statues, the proms, all of it. They all think, like, it's not just important, which I, you know, I accept that for some people, you know, British idea, uh, identity, that nationalism, you know, flags, all of that stuff. I accept that to some people, they find it a lot more important than I do. Even though it's not to me, particularly. Maybe it is to you. I don't. If it is, great. Awesome. Let's not get an argument about it. Uh, but it's it, it's the people within the Conservative Party, within Tribe B, we'll say, who believe that it should come first. It should top everything. It is the most important thing that we should be talking about at all times. Those people, those, as I say, crayon eaters, they are certifiably insane. And yes, I know how good it is. it, is, it feels to hear me say that. Because, like I said at the beginning, like, you guys are the smart ones. And yes, sometimes it feels like the world's gone nuts. But I'm here to tell you that it's not just you. <laughs> You're not alone. You've very much come to the right place to be with other sane people who realise just how balmy this country has become. You should think of this podcast, this show, as sort of, you know, sane persons anonymous. You know, we meet twice weekly. Pull up a chair. But anyway, yes, two tribes. You've got the right-wingers who think that this stuff is the most important thing, which I would, you know, I would say Marc Francois, Lee Anderson. And then you've got the scheming opportunists, tribe A over here. And that's people like Sunak. And just to bring it back to what I was saying, like with the, uh, you know, the British Museum nonsense. And the scheming, the sort of superficial nationalism. Like, here's the question for you. Does anyone actually believe, like anyone, does anyone believe this? Do any of us actually believe that Rishi Sunak, a modern man, he's the same age as me. You know, we probably drank Jaegers at our respective unis at the same time and listened to Prodigy albums and to say, you know, he's a modern man. And now these days he rubs shoulders with Elon. He spends his holidays in the HQs of tech firms in California. Like he's Silicon Valley Sunak, right? Do we honestly believe that that guy cares about these statues? <laughs> like so much that he would be willing to cause this level of international fuss about it. Really? Do we actually think it's about statues and what's precious for the British Museum? I mean, look, I would love it, right? I would love it if it was leaked, <laughs> you know, like if he privately admitted 
that he didn't give a hoot <laughs> about the statues. You know, I would love it if that came out on a private WhatsApp or like a doc, uh, not doctored email, like a legit email that then got leaked out. And I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, that could happen. That sort of stuff could get leaked at this stage. And it could that could absolutely be his mindset. <coughs> I personally believe it is that he doesn't give a hoot about the statues. Because, like, I mean, look, we're seeing all of these revelations come out of the inquiry right now. You're Matt Hancock's Dominic Raab, I think, was today or is he tomorrow? Um, we've seen the testimony from a couple of civil servants, uh, the high ranking scientists that were advising. The How much of that stuff is like this is what they said in private that directly contradicts what they were pretending to think and believe in public? So I would love it if somebody accidentally retailed out the Dutch version <laughs> of Sunak's grandstanding over the statues. Like, you know, like going Dutch should change meaning now, you know, like it should be when somebody leaks out the truth to embarrass you. Somebody should go Dutch on Sunak is what I'm saying. Anyway, yes. No surprises uh, this week, by the way. Rishi Sunak, take a bow. You are this week's tap dancing topper. <laughs> Although, as I said earlier, you know, Topper may or may not be a sort of, uh, you know, parents substitute naughty word there, along with Hoot. Hoot and Topper. And I'm going to end up like the um, ITV Diet Coke movie premieres, like back in the 90s. <laughs> you remember that? Like with the overdubs, where they would have a swear word and then they would like overdub it instead. Like you would have, you'd have like Bruce Willis in Die Hard or something. And he was going to say, you know, a thing. And you know the thing he's going to say because you've seen the movie like a thousand times. But anyway, he's, you know, it, it, and the line is coming up and it's got a naughty word in it that I now can't even say on, on this thing for reasons that we've established. But, you know, Bruce Willis would say a line and then some poor voiceover guy in ITV's HQ in a little enclosed room with a bad American accent would have to dub it. Like, really poorly, so obviously and patchy and, like, you know, like, the line would be, like, and it would come out broadcast on the on the movie premiere. It would be, like, Bruce Willis seemingly saying, like, die, you blogard. <laughs> and you would look at your brother, like, while you're watching, you're like, what is a, what's a blogard? You know? <laughs> and then your brother would pretend, like, he knew what it was, like it was a new swear word. <laughs> and you didn't know what it was. He's like, you know, you'd look over at your brother and go like, what's what's a blogard, Adam? And he'd be like, you, you don't know. <laughs> you need to you need to get a life aid. You need to get out more. You need to get a clue. I know what a blogard is, you know. And then both of you go into school calling people bloggards, you know, thinking it was some cool new word that you'd learn. Yeah. <laughs> cool new American movie slang that you just picked up. I don't even know why they dubbed it like back in the day on the uh, on the Diet Coke premieres. I'm really like showing my age now, aren't I? Like mid 90s, early 90s Diet Coke premieres. Why they dubbed those words is a complete It was a mystery to me then. It's a mystery to me now because they showed the movie after nine. It's like after nine o'clock. It's after the watershed. You could say rude things. You know? But I guess there was, I guess there was some sort of ITV producer in the background, you know, 
going like, uh, no, 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 we'll just uh, we'll, we'll stick with Bloggard, you know. Stick with Bloggard, I think, you know. I think, I think Bloggard adds something to the scene. Anyway, um, let's see if we've got some questions in the Q&A tonight before we wrap up, guys. Let's see what's on people's brain berries. Uh, let's uh, just have a, a, a wee look. So um, I've got... I've got a couple of patrons in tonight. Uh, what's up to Stu? What's up to uh, Peter Del Monte? Um, hi to Clive. Hi to Alex. Also joining us. Um, right. Okay. So questions. Here we go. Who will be the next Tory leader, and why? That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> so assuming Sunak loses the general election, which I would not rule it out, that Labour finds some way to completely squander the 25-point lead or 20-point lead. I can't remember what we're on now. Um, like, it would be so, like... Per well, I mean, it would be on brand for this show. I would get six months of material out of it. But uh, let's, let's assume that Sunak does lose the next general election. I think hats in the ring are Suella Braverman, obviously... Um, I, I'd be surprised if you didn't have a wild card in there. Somebody like, what's the, the immigration minister's name? Um, uh, Jenrick, Robert Jenrick. Uh, now, the reason I, th I could see him going for it is because he's just in the last couple of days raised his head, like put his hands up, suggesting that he has his own ideas about immigration and he has a plan that if it had been followed, then we would have seen reductions in net migration, etc., etc. And that is a weird thing for a supporting immigration to the Home Secretary. That's a weird thing for him to do. It's like, is he trying to get fired? Is he trying to lose his job in the next reshuffle? Because that's kind of... So it's, it's like trying to increase your profile... And for what? The only things that logically make sense is that he is in Suella Braverman's pocket. So he's trying like they work together for, you know, the last year or so. So it's possible that they've done a deal like he should continue to cause Sunak problems from round the cabinet table uh, on her behalf. And then if and when she becomes leader, <clears throat> he gets to become Home Secretary, something along those lines. Or he is seeking to raise his own profile to go for the leadership. And I know that sounds a little bit far-fetched, given how relatively junior, like typically you would see a Tory leader uh, get that role after they had uh, already had one of the great offices of state, i.e. Home Secretary, Chancellor. Um, I think if you do the stats on the last like 10 prime ministers they were all like actually with the exception of david cameron i think and blair actually i don't think blair had a, a key office of state so maybe i'm talking rubbish anyway i think braverman <clears throat> i wouldn't be surprised if um jenrick was the wild card uh a few years ago we saw a guy called stephen crab put his hat in the ring which i thought was a bit weird but you know it just goes to show that there are people who are willing to expose themselves to a level of scrutiny and ridicule with basically like minimal chance of, of securing the leadership. The other thing is you have to factor in like who, like just because they go for the leadership doesn't necessarily mean that they're going for the leadership. Like if you look at Kemi Badnock, who on earth was Kemi Badnock before that last leadership run? And now she's a senior cabinet minister, right? So, um, you know, it can work to their favour. I think... 
I'd be disappointed if Braverman got it. I don't think Hunt will go for it. I think he's stepping down. Shaps, I think, would be an interesting one because he sort of comes from that more moderate place. Uh, Raab will probably lose his seat at the GE, so I can't see him going for it. Uh, Raab is in a marginal, for anyone that doesn't know. Um, so it's entirely reasonable to assume that with the Tory polling as it is right now, and especially with Lib Dems crushing the Tory vote in some of these home county seats, I don't think it's outrageous to think that he'll probably be gone too. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, oh God, it's such slim pickings, isn't it? In terms of who could actually be a credible candidate. I would laugh my backside off. It would really be a hoot if Lee Anderson went for it. But I don't think Lee Anderson can either because his polling in uh, Ashfield North, is it? Um, his polling is absolutely abysmal. Also, it looks like he's dead set to lose his uh, his seat. This is a thing. Like, how can you predict who's going to go for the leadership and who's going to be successful when their polling is so bad? And so many of their candidates, unfortunately not Suella Braverman, uh, but so many of their candidates are are likely to get ousted. Um, Gove might be a fun one also. Anyway, I, I feel like I've I've sort of covered this a little bit now. Um, uh, Stuart says, I can see Jenrick running for leadership. He was my MP when I lived in his constituency and he's a grasping little weasel. Yeah, um, I, I've i got bad feelings about Jenrick, partly because of the uh, story that broke where he had instructed somebody to take down the Disney mural from the Child Refugee Centre because he had reportedly uh, voiced concerns that it made it too welcoming. He didn't want this refugee kids centre, effectively a ch children's hostel. He didn't want it to be too welcoming, which I thought spoke volumes about him primarily, but also about that part of the Tory party, that hard right, the Bravermanite right, as I've recently termed it. Um, but also before that, I mean, even if you discount the sort of callousness, uh, before all of that, he was in trouble for arranging a financial agreement or something with Richard Desmond, the former editor or owner of the Daily Express. Uh, he, he did something. He made some moves so that Richard Desmond could escape about 20 million or 30 million in tax that he would have been in scope for. Uh, so it's that kind of hooky corruption and callousness that will probably see him <laughs> promoted at the next GE. Actually, it'd be interesting to look at like what his what Jenrick's uh, constituency, um, what they're voting is looking like. Like, is he polling as though he's going to get ousted or is he in one of these safe seats like uh, Braverman and Truss? Um Anyway, um, I feel like that I was expecting a few more questions tonight, but that's fine, guys. That's uh, it means that we can all get off home early. Right. Um, thanks once again to uh, globalbutterflies.com. Go and check them out. Uh, find ways to make your business more trans and non-binary inclusive. Uh, once again, doff of the cap to the Patreons. And on that subject, I have a YouTube community now, uh, which is basically Patreon, but on YouTube, just in case you're wondering. Uh, so it's like the same tiers the same benefits it's just on youtube so if you've never bothered setting up the patreon but you enjoy my podcasts and you watch the punk politics stuff and the alternative paper review that i do uh you can still get involved you can show some love uh if you see fit it's super cheap it's like three pound a month it starts from um so if you're in a position to 
I know it's economically pretty messy out there right now, so don't worry if you can't. Um, but if you are in a position to, there is a little join button under the video on YouTube that I'm speaking on right now. If you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, obviously you can make the leap to uh, uh, to YouTube if you want to, or indeed on Patreon. But on that subject, let's say a quick shout out, a quick thank you to all of the Patreons uh, on the uh, £5 and upwards uh, tiers. So big shouts to Rachel Harris, Bowman, Kai, Chris D, David Voice, Martin Maracas, Mojo Sabian, Peter Del Monte, Pingu, uh, Stuart T-Rex, Aaron, Alex Suter, Jeff McGow, Ned Berg, Sarah and Simon Flagg. Thank you so much, guys. I'm out now. Uh, I'll be back on Friday night with a guested show. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And I'm out. I, I, <laughs> I fumbled my words and because I was like panicking about like saying a naughty word. So I'm just going to say this. I'm out this mother Hubbard. <laughs> Good night, guys.